So in the last few weeks, we've been doing all of the different types of supplications a Muslim is supposed to read before going to sleep. Now in this chapter, it is going to mention what you can read if you wake up from sleep. When you are sleeping and you happen to wake up from sleeping, then what can you recite then? أَذْكَارُ الْإِنْتِبَاهِ مِنَ النَّوْمِ لَقَدْ ثَبَتَ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَذْكَارٌ مُتَنَوِّعَةٌ يُشْرَعُ لِلْمُسْلِمِ أَنْ يَقُولَهَا عِنْدَ الْإِسْتِيقَاضِ مِنَ النَّوْمِ That it has been established from the Prophet ﷺ, various supplications that are legislated for the Muslim to read when he awakens from sleep. وَهِيَ فِي الْجُمْلَةِ مُشْتَمِلَةِ عَلَىٰ إِعْلَانِ التَّوْحِيدِ لِلَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَ And generally speaking, these supplications you will see revolve around the meanings of Tawheed. وَالْإِسْتِعَاذَةَ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ And they revolve around seeking refuge in Allah from the shaytan, the accursed. وَحَمْدِ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ سبحانه على حفظه للعبد وإعانته له على طاعته وذكره And they revolve around praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon His protection for the servant and for His helping and aid of a servant in doing His worship and His remembrance. وَمِنْ هَذِهِ الْأَحَادِيثِ مَا رَوَاهُ الْبُخَارِيُّ فِي صَحِيحِهِ عَنْ عُبَادَةَ بْنِ الصَّامِتِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهِ عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال So one of these narrations that has been mentioned is narrated by عُبَادَةَ بْنِ الصَّامِتِ Radiallahu anhu reported in or collected in Sahih al Bukhari that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man ta'arra min al layli faqal la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah lahul mulku wa lahul hamd. وهو على كل شيء قدير الحمد لله وسبحان الله 
ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله ثم قال اللهم اغفر لي أو دعاء استجيب فإن توضأ قبلت صلاته In this hadith, the Prophet said, Man That whoever ends up waking up in the middle of the night, whoever ends up waking up during the night, and says, La ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika lah. So if you happen to suddenly wake up in the middle of the night, and then you say this, that there is no deity worthy of worship and truth except Allah. He alone without any partners. To him belongs all of the dominion. And to him is all of the praise. For him is all of the praise. And he is all capable upon everything. Alhamdulillah. All praise is to Allah, subhanallah. Glory be to Allah, the one free of any deficiencies. Wala ilaha illallah. And there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. Wallahu akbar. And Allah is the greatest. Wala hawla wala quwwata illa billah. And there is no might, no power, no change that, I can, that can occur without Allah. ثُمَّ قَالْ And then he says, اللَّهُمَّ اغْفِرْ لِي Oh Allah, forgive me. Oh da'a Or he makes some dua. Ustujib. He'll be answered. فَإِنْ تَوَضَّعَ قُبِلَتْ صَلَاتُهُ And if he gets up and makes wudu, his prayer will be accepted at that time. So this is a hadith that highlights to us when you've gone to sleep, then unexpectedly for some reason you happen to wake up during the night, that this is the dua that you should read. في هذا الحديث فضل المبادرة إلى ذكر الله عز وجل والثناء عليه سبحانه عند الاستيقاظ من النوم. The hadith highlights to us the virtue of hastening to the remembrance of Allah. The virtue of hastening to the remembrance of Allah. How many people if they woke up in the middle of the night would think about reciting a dua or think about reciting some supplication. But this highlights if you wake up, then think about this, think about the remembrance of Allah. Hasten to that rather than anything else. وَأَنْ يَكُونَ ذَلِكَ أَوَّلَ شَيْءٍ يَفْعَلُهُ الْمُؤْمِنُ عِنْدَ اسْتِقَاضِ And that this dua should be the first thing that you do. If you suddenly wake up in the middle of the night, this dua should be what you recite first. وَهَذَا إِنَّمَا يَتَحَقَّقُ لِمَنْ أَلِفَ الذِّكْرَ وَتَعَوَّدَ عَلَيْهِ وَاسْتَأْنَسَ بِهِ And that is only really going to happen for somebody who is accustomed to the remembrance of Allah. Somebody who is accustomed to the remembrance of Allah has got himself into the habit 
of constant dhikr and remembrance of Allah, then that type of person when he wakes up, will revert immediately to the remembrance of Allah. But a person who has not accustomed himself to the dhikr of Allah, and is not in the habit of doing his du'as and supplications during the day, then it is unlikely when he wakes up in the middle of the night, he's going to think about doing a dhikr or supplication or du'a to Allah. That's why it is suitable for the believer to accustom himself, to get himself into the habit of constantly doing du'as during the day and supplications, the morning ones, the evening ones, everything we've been talking about, to get himself into the habit of reciting them. So that even when you wake up in the middle of the night, your mind goes to the remembrance of Allah, not to anything else. وَغَلَبَ عَلَيْهِ حَتَّى صَارَ حَدِيثَ نَفْسِهِ فِي نَوْمِهِ وَيَقِظَتِهِ So a believer who gets himself into that habit of constantly being upon the remembrance of Allah, to the extent that the remembrance of Allah, that's what's on his mind when he's awake and when he's asleep. That's what's on his mind, the remembrance of Allah constantly. Such that if he does wake up in the middle of the night, what's going to be on his mind as the first thing? The remembrance of Allah. فَإِنَّهُ إِذَا كَانَ شَأْنُهُ كَذَلِكَ فَإِنَّ أَوَّلَ شَيْءٍ يَفْعَلُهُ عِنْدَ قِيَامِهِ مِنْ نَوْمِهِ هُوَ الْمُبَادَرَةُ إِلَى ذِكْرِ رَبِّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَمْجِيدِهِ وَحَمْدِهِ وَثَنَاءِ عَلَيْكَ بِمَا هُوَ أَهْلُهُ So the believer who gets himself into that habit of constantly being upon the remembrance of Allah, if he wakes up in the middle of the night, the first thing he's going to think about is to do the remembrance of Allah, to do the dua, to do the dhikr, to pronounce the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَنْ كَانَ عَلَى هَذِهِ الْحَالِ فَهُوَ حَرِيٌّ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ أَنْ يُعْطَى إِذَا سَأَلَ وَأَنْ يُسْتَجَابَ لَهُ إِذَا دَعَى And the believer who is upon that type of state, that he is constantly upon the remembrance of Allah, then that is the type of believer who is deserving and it is expected for the likes of him, for his dua to be answered when he calls upon Allah. It would be anticipated for that type of believer that he would be deserving and worthy of his dua being answered when he calls upon Allah for being upon that constant state of remembrance of Allah. قال ابن بطال رحمه الله ابن بطال رحمه الله one of the scholars of the past he said وعد الله على لسان نبيه صلى الله عليه وسلم أن من استيقظ من نومه لهجا لسانه بتوحيد الله وبتوحيد ربه والإذعان له بالملك والاعتراف بنعمه يحمده عليها وينزهه عما لا يليق به بتسبيحه والخضوع له بالتكبير والتسليم له بالعجز عن القدرة إلا بعونه أنه إذا دعاه أجابه 
وإذا صلى قبلت صلاته ينبغي لمن بلغه هذا الحديث أن يغتنم العمل به ويخلص نيته لربه سبحانه Ibn Battal said that Allah has promised via the Prophet wasallam in this hadith that somebody who wakes up from his sleep and the first thing he does upon his tongue is the remembrance of Allah and pronouncing the tawheed of Allah and the recognition of the kingdom and dominion of Allah and a recognition of all of the blessings of Allah upon him, and praises Allah upon that, and frees Allah from any deficiencies, and that which is not suitable to him, praises him and extols him, and submits himself to him, and recognizes his own weakness, and that he cannot do anything without the help of Allah. That Allah has promised that type of believer, when he makes dua, it is answered. And that when he prays, his action of worship is accepted. So it is appropriate for the one who this hadith reaches him, that he utilizes the action upon it, that he practices this hadith. So that if you wake up, that's what you do. The remembrance of Allah and the dua to Allah when you wake up. And that you do that sincerely, with a sincere intention for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it says in this hadith, مَنْ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ The Messenger sallallahu alayhi said, whoever wakes up in the middle of the night, whoever wakes up during the night, so this isn't talking about when you wake up in the morning. Those are the morning adhkar. The morning supplications. That was different. This is when you wake up in the middle of the night. You wake up during the night at some point. وَقَدْ بَدَأَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ هَؤُلَاءِ الْكَلِمَاتِ بِكَلِمَةِ التَّوْحِيدِ And so the messenger taught us to say this dua if you wake up in the night. And the first line of the dua is upon absolute tawheed, it is the shahada itself. So consider, a believer, if he wakes up in the middle of the night, wakes up during the night for some reason, the messenger has guided us to say the shahada as the first thing. That you say, La ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika la. That there is none, there is no deity worthy of worship and truth except Allah. He alone without any partners. لِأَنَّ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ فِيهَا رُكْنَانْ عَظِيمًا Because in the shahada of La ilaha illa Allah, there are two major pillars. Two major pillars. And they are affirmation and negation. An-nafyu wal-ithbat. An-nafyu fi qawlihi la ilaha. Your negation is when you say that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth. That is a negation for worship to any other false deity. Any other deity that are all false. 
you are negating their worship. And then, illallah, you are affirming the worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So you have a negation and you have an affirmation. And through both of those pillars, negation and affirmation, that is how you bring about Tawheed. Tawheed is only established and based upon, occurs upon a negation and an affirmation. Negation of all deities besides Allah that they are false and do not deserve worship. An affirmation of the worship purely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And that's why you see that it is not just La ilaha illallah that you say when you wake up in the middle of the night, but it is La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu. There is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. He alone without any partners. What's the difference in saying there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah? He alone is worthy of worship with no partners. What's the difference between the two statements? Are they not both basically the same? They both basically mean the same thing. La ilaha illallah, there is no deity worthy of worship in truth. Wahdahu la sharika la. He alone, meaning he alone is worthy of worship. La sharika lahu without any partners, meaning there is no other deity worthy of worship. So the two statements are basically the same, just different words. The second statement is therefore just a further emphasis of Tawheed. La ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika la, on top. As an emphasis, there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. He alone without any partners, which is what you mean by la ilaha illallah anyway. But it is an emphasis on top even further upon that Tawheed. وَفِي هَذَا دَلَالَةٌ عَلَىٰ أَهْمِيَّةِ التَّوْحِيدِ وَالْبَدْءِ بِهِ وَتَقْدِيمُهُ عَلَىٰ مَا سِوَاهِ وَالتَّأْكِيدِ عَلَىٰ الْعِنَايَةِ بِفَهْمِ مَعْنَاهُ وَالْقِيَامِ بِمَدْلُولِهِ وَتَطْبِيقِ مُقْتَضَاهِ So within this is an evidence upon the importance of Tawheed and that it is what you begin with, the importance of Tawheed, and that it is what you begin with, and that it is given precedence over all other things. So when you wake up in the middle of the night, nothing else is given priority. The first thing that you utter upon your tongue is the Tawheed of Allah. The Shahada and the emphasis upon that Shahada. Then after that, you say, لَهُ الْمُلْكُ وَلَهُ الْحَمْدُ To Allah belongs all of the dominion, all of the kingdom, and to Him and for Him is all of the praise. وَهُوَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ And He is all capable upon everything. هَذِهِ بَرَاهِينُ التَّوْحِيدُ وَدَلَائِلُهُ this section of your du'a next now, it's basically the evidences and the proofs upon the statement of Tawheed you just made. 
This is evidence for it. That lahul mulk. To Allah belongs all of the dominion and the kingdom. That is a proof therefore that He alone you worship. To Him is all of the praise. All these other false deities, they cannot do anything as Ibrahim salam when he debated with the mushrikun of his time. And he highlighted to them, these deities of yours cannot speak, they cannot hear, they have no capability upon anything. So Allah, to Him belongs all of the praise, and therefore He alone should be worshipped. وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ And He is the all-capable upon everything, therefore He alone should be worshipped. So this line that comes in the dua next, it is the evidences for the tawheed that you have just proclaimed. فَالَّذِي لَهُ التَّوْحِيدُ الْخَالِصِ هو المالك للملك المستحق للحمد القدير على كل شيء ومن سواه لا يستحق من العبادة شيئا So the one who deserves that pure tawheed is the, is the one who controls and owns all of the kingdom and dominion the one who is deserving of praise the one who is capable upon every affair and all others besides him, they are not deserving of worship whatsoever. As Allah said in the Quran, Say those whom you call upon, Besides Allah, those whom you claim and you call upon besides Allah, they do not control even an atom's weight in the heavens and the earth. And they do not have any participation or any share. And they do not have any participation or any share. And he does not have, Allah does not have any equal or partner from them. So all of the others are negated, all of the others are false. So if you wake up from the, in the middle of the night, you wake up suddenly during your sleep, then that is the dua you begin with. The tawheed of Allah and the evidences upon the tawheed of Allah, that is given precedence over all other statements. Then after that you continue and say, Alhamdulillah wa subhanallah. وَلَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ And you remember we did those lessons a few months ago regarding those four statements. Alhamdulillah, subhanallah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. The greatest of the statements and the greatest of the remembrance of Allah. فَذَكَرَ الْكَرِمَاتِ الْأَرْبَعَ الَّتِي هِيَ أَحَبُّ الْكَلَامِ إِلَى اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَ So here... He mentioned, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in this next part of the dua to read or recite the four statements of dhikr that are the most beloved of speech to Allah. You remember those hadith. These four statements, Alhamdulillah, Subhanallah, La ilaha illallah, Allah Akbar. They are the most beloved of the speech to Allah. As it is mentioned in Sahih Muslim, 
from the hadith of Samurah ibn Jundub radiyallahu anhu qal qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam ahabbu al-kalami ila Allah ta'ala arba' the most beloved of speech to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are four statements la yadurruka bi-ayyihin badat does not harm you, it doesn't matter which one of the four you begin with. Meaning these four statements of dhikr, they are the key. Doesn't really matter which one you say first. Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wala ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. So that hadith in Muslim highlights clearly these four statements are the most beloved of statements to Allah. وفي الحديث يقول صلى الله عليه وسلم لأن أقول سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر أحب إلي مما طلعت عليه الشمس. In another hadith in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, for me to say Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. For me to say that is more beloved to me than what the sun rises upon, meaning all of this dunya. More beloved to me than what the sun rises upon, all of this dunya. These four statements for me to say them. And to do the remembrance of Allah with them is more beloved to me than what the sun rises upon. وَالتَّسْبِيحُ فِيهِ تَنْزِيهُ اللَّهِ عَمَّا لَا يَلِيقُ بِجَلَالِهِ وَكَمَالِهِ And the tasbih within that is freeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from any deficiency, any shortcoming, and highlighting the perfection of Allah, the might and majesty of Allah. وَالْحَمْدُ فِيهِ إِثْبَاتُ أَنْوَاعِ الْكَمَالِ لَهُ سُبْحَانَهُ And the Alhamdulillah, that is affirming all of the forms of perfection to Allah. And لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ That is affirming the Tawheed, the sincere and pure Tawheed to Allah. And Allahu Akbar is highlighting the magnification of Allah, that Allah is indeed the greatest of all, the greatest of all. ثُمَّ قَالْ Then you say after that, لَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ There is no might, no ability to change, no power, except with Allah. And that statement, when you say, لَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ The point of it is that you are seeking assistance from Allah because you're affirming there's nothing you can do without Allah. There's nothing you can do without Allah. لَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ So the point of that is you are really asking Allah for help and assistance. It is a form of seeking assistance because you are affirming you cannot do anything otherwise without Allah. الْإِتْيَانُ بِهَا فِي مِثْلِ هَذَا الْوَقْتِ مُنَاسِبْ غَايَةَ الْمُنَاسَبَةِ So why would it be appropriate to say that if you wake up in the middle of the night? Well, do you need help and assistance with that? If 
If you've just woken up during the night, why do you need to say لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله? It is very appropriate in fact. It is very appropriate to say that if you wake up during the night. لأن الإنسان عندما يقوم من النوم بحاجة إلى همة عالية ونشاط وجد واجتهاد وجد واجتهاد والمعين على ذلك كله هو الله وحده because when you wake up especially when you wake up and you need to then go engage in some activity then you are in need of that energy and striving and focus and so that is achieved through asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for aid and assistance. وَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ To give you that aid and energy and support and activity and strength to be able to carry out what you need to do. So it emphasizes that a person realizes he does not have any ability by himself he does not have any control over the affairs by himself, no power to be able to do things himself. Then, after you made all of that dua, all of that dhikr, then the messenger said, he says, Allahumma ghfirli awda'a ustujiba. That after saying all of that dua, all of that dhikr, if the servant then says at the end, Allahumma ghfirli, oh Allah forgive me. Or at the end of all of that dua, if the servant makes some personal dua, ustujib, then you will be answered. هَكَذَا جَاءَتِ الْرِوَايَاتِ أو الْرِوَايَةِ بِالشَّكِّ وَاحْتَمِلْ أَن تَكُونَ لِلْتَنْوِيعِ So it's possible that the narration means you do one of the two. That either you seek forgiveness at the end of it all, or if you don't do that, then you make some personal dua for something. And that whatever you do, if you seek forgiveness at the end of it, then you are answered for that and given forgiveness. And if you make dua for something, you are answered for that and given what you made dua for. ثُمَّ قَالْ فَإِن then on top of that it says, if a person wakes up in the middle of the night and makes all of that dua, but then on top of that actually gets up and goes make wudu, gets up, goes and makes wudu and prays to raka'at, then his prayer will be accepted. A in salah waqad ja'a lafal. في بعض الروايات لصحيح البخاري هكذا فإن توضأ وصلى أبلت صلاته. That's how the wording is in some of the versions. If he makes wudu and prays, his prayer is accepted. وفي هذا حث على الجد في الطاعة والنشاط لأداء العبادة. So this highlights again to strive. In doing your actions of worship, that if you end up waking up in the middle of the night, get up and make wudu and pray two rakat, and then go back to sleep. Striving in performing the righteous deeds, 
وَتَرْكْ الْخُمُولُ وَالتَّوَانِ وَالْكَسْرِ And that a person needs to abandon laziness. Being lazy and cannot be bothered and delaying things and putting it off, a person needs to avoid that kind of attitude. An attitude of laziness where he just can't be bothered to get up and do anything. وَقَدْ أَخْرَجَ الْإِمَامُ الْبُخَارِيُّ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهَ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ فِي كِتَابِ التَّهَجُّدْ مِنْ صَحِيحِهِ بَفَضْلَ مَنْ تَعَارَ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَصَلَّى الإمام البخاري he actually put this hadith into which chapter he didn't even put it into the chapters of making dhikr or anything like that this hadith الإمام البخاري put it into the chapter of praying at night because at the end it says if you get up and pray it will be accepted so he highlighted the virtue of praying for the one who wakes up in the middle of the night. أي أن من صلى في ذلك الوقت وبادر إلى الصلاة في تلك الحال فصلاة حرية بالقبول والقبول في هذا الموطن أرجى منه في غيره. So somebody who happens to wake up like that at night and then gets up and makes wudu and prays, then it is likely for his prayer to be accepted and for him to be rewarded upon that. وقد أورد الحافظ ابن حجر رحمه الله في شرحه لهذا الحديث فائدة لطيفة حول العناية بهذا الذكر عن بعبد الله الفربري الراوي عن البخاري قال أجريت هذا الذكر على لسان عند انتباهي ثم نمت فأتاني آت أي في المنام فقرأ وهدوء إلى الطيب من القول وهدوء إلى صراط الحميد. It's mentioned that Ibn Hajar mentioned in his explanation of this hadith and safeguarding this dua when you wake up and to say it when you wake up. He reported from Abu Abdullah al-Firbari the one who narrated from Al-Bukhari, he said, that narrator said, I used to do this, this dua anytime I woke up, anytime I happened to just wake up, I would do this dua, I would do this dhikr. And he said, once I did that, when I woke up middle of the night, did this dua, I used to do it every time it happened, one time he said it happened, and I did it, and then went to sleep again, and I had a dream. And he says, somebody came to me in my dream and recited the ayah to me, وَهُدُوا إِلَى الطَّيِّبِ مِنَ الْقَوْلِ وَهُدُوا إِلَى صِرَاطِ الْحَمِيدِ And they were guided to the good speech and they were guided to the praiseworthy path. That was to highlight that what he was doing was of course guidance to the correct way, guidance to the straight path, guidance to the good speech. You wake up and you implement the sunnah of making that dua, then that is a good speech. So he highlighted this what happened. I used to do it every time I woke up and one time it happened and I went to sleep. I saw in my dream somebody came to me and narrated this ayah of the Qur'an to me. They were guided to the beautiful and good speech. And they were guided to the path that is praiseworthy. As a kind of indication upon his actions. 
that he would do this dua every time he woke up at night, implementing the sunnah, and then he has a dream, somebody coming and narrating that ayah to him, in his dream. وَمَا مِنْ شَكٍّ أَنَّ الْمُحَافَظَ عَلَى هَذَا الذِّكْرِ مِنَ الْهِدَايَةِ إِلَى الطَّيِّبِ مِنَ الْقَوْلِ وَمِنَ الْهِدَايَةِ إِلَى الصِّرَاطِ الْحَمِيدِ أَسْأَلُ اللَّهَ الْكَرِيمَ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ And there is no doubt that the one who preserves this, safeguards this, and remembers to do this dhikr at that time, then no doubt that is guidance to the good speech. That is the good speech that you are engaging in. And it is guidance to the praiseworthy pathway, the pathway of implementing the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from His virtue. What time is the prayer today? can start this section. أَذْكَارُ الْإِسْتِيقَاظِ مِنَ النَّوْمِ So we'll just mention one of the du'as from this next chapter, and this is now when you actually wake up from sleep in the morning, not in the middle of the night now, after you've slept, when you wake up in the morning, after completion of sleep. What do you read then? إِنَّ مِنَ الْأَذْكَارِ الَّتِي يُشْرَعُ لِلْمُسْلِمِ قَوْلُهَا إِذَا اسْتَيْقَضَ مِنْ نَوْمِهِ مَا ثَبَتَ فِي سُنَنِ التِّرْمِذِي مِنْ حَدِيثَ بِهُرَيْرَةَ رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا استيقظ أحدكم فليقل الحمد لله الذي عافاني في جسدي ورد علي روحي وأذن لي بذكره One of the du'as that is mentioned when you wake up Properly in the morning after you slept, after the night of sleep is complete, that whomsoever wakes up and says, Alhamdulillahi All praises to Allah, the one who gave me good health in my body. And returned my soul to me. Remember a few lessons ago we spoke about how the soul departs from the body at night. And so you say, وَرَدَّ عَلَيَّ رُوحِي All praises to Allah, the one who returned my soul to me. وَأَذِنَ لِي بِذِكْرِهِ And permitted me, gave me this opportunity to do his remembrance again. Gave me the opportunity, gave me permission, permitted me, allowed me to do this remembrance of his. فِي هَذَا حمد الله عز وجل على المعافاة في الجسد والسلامة من الأمراض والأسقام. Within this is the praise of Allah subhanahu wa taala for the good health you have in your body and being free of sicknesses and diseases and illnesses. وحمده سبحانه على رد الروح على العبد ليتمكن من الزيادة في الطاعة والكثار من العباد والعناية بذكر. And also praising Allah subhanahu wa taala for your soul to have been returned back to you. So that you now have an opportunity to increase and do more worship whilst you have the chance. And to do more obedience to Allah whilst you are still alive. وَلِهَذَا قَالْ وَأَذِنَ لِي بِذِكْرِهِ That's why you say at the end, you praise Allah that He has given you the opportunity to do more remembrance and dhikr yet before death comes. اَيْ وَفَقَنِي لِذَلِكَ وَأَعَانَنِي عَلَيْ That Allah has guided me to that and given me success to be able to do that. والمراد بالإذن هنا أي الإذن الكوني القدري لأن الإذن إذا ورد في النصوص تارة يراد به الإذن الكوني القدري وتارة يراد به الإذن الشرعي الديني 
The meaning here is that Allah has permitted me, i.e. decreed for me. Decreed for me to still live and to still be alive and still have this opportunity to do dhikr and to do worship and to do the remembrance of Allah. And so, مَنْ أَذِنَ اللَّهُ لَهُ بِذِكْرِهِ كَوْنًا وَقَدَرًا فَقَدْ أَكْرَمَهُ بِعَظَمِ كَرَامًا وَهَدَاهُ بِتَوْفِيقِهِ وَمَنِّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ So the one whom Allah grants and decrees this opportunity to do more worship and remembrance, then that is from the greatest of the virtues that Allah has given that person, and from the greatest of the blessings that Allah has given him. And so that is something that requires the praise of Allah upon and that's why it is legislated for the Muslim to do the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when waking up. وَتَأَمَّلْ الْآذَنُ بِالذِّكْرِ هُوَ اللَّهِ الْآذِنُ بِالذِّكْرِ هُوَ اللَّهِ وَالْمُسْتَفِيدُ مِنَ الذِّكْرِ هُوَ الْعَبْدِ Notice also here, the one who permits you and allows you to do this dhikr is Allah. But the one who benefits from it is you. Allah gives you the opportunity and guides you to do the dhikr. But the one who benefits from that is you. You benefit from that dhikr of Allah that you do and the worship and the obedience that you do. فَهُوَ سُبْحَانَهُ مِنْ عَظِيمِ فَضْلِهِ وَوَاسِعِ إِنْعَامِهِ يَبْتَدِعُ عِبَادَهُ بِالنِّعَمِ وَيُثِيبُهُمْ عَلَيْهَا so Allah from His great blessing gives us the opportunity to do the good deeds in the first place. And then on top of that rewards us for doing them. Gives us the opportunity to do them and then rewards us upon doing them. فَلَهُ الْحَمْدُ شُكْرًا وَلَهُ الْمَنُّ فَضْلًا وَلَهُ سُبْحَانَهُ الْحَمْدُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ وَالْأُولَى And hence Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is deserving of that praise and of that great blessing that is given us in this world and the afterlife. Uh, the details of that then, there are narrations coming up, but we'll mention all of those narrations next time regarding this particular dua when a person wakes up. So we'll conclude upon that for now, but any questions or anything to add? Uh, that we covered, you remember the previous book that we did before, maybe two years ago now, about the names and attributes of Allah. Allah has told us in the Quran, He has names and attributes. Names and attributes. Names like Ar-Rahman, that's one of the names of Allah. Ar-Rahim, one of the names of Allah. Al-Ghafoor, one of the names of Allah. Allah has many names. Allah has told us all of those names in the Quran. And Allah has told us about attributes. So for example, Allah has told us, uh, as an example, the hadith where it says, يَنزِلُ رَبُّنَا فِي ثُلُثُ اللَّيْلِ الْأَخِيرِ That when it's the last third of the night, Allah descends to the lowest heaven. When it's the last third of the night, Allah descends to the lowest heaven. So we know Allah descends to the lowest heaven. Allah has told us that in the hadith narrated by multiple companions, uh, there are other attributes, many of them, for example, Allah tells us about his, uh, 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 the eyes that are mentioned, for example, when it speaks about Musa alayhi salam, that you are under our eyes. 
And the Prophet ﷺ said, Your Lord is not A'war. Your Lord is not A'war like the Dajjal. The Dajjal is A'war, he is one-eyed. The Prophet said, Your Lord is not one-eyed. These kinds of narrations and many others, they tell us about certain attributes of Allah. The point of them is, we affirm whatever Allah has affirmed for Himself. Allah didn't tell us things in the Qur'an as a puzzle. That we have to try and work it out, what does it mean and what's this and what's that. Allah didn't give us the Qur'an and reveal all that to us to confuse us and misguide us. Allah informed us in the Qur'an about His attributes. What Allah informed us of, we accept and we believe and we affirm. But the key is, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ There is nothing like unto Allah and He is the all-hearing and all-seeing. So even if we affirm these attributes as we do, because Allah mentioned them about Himself, we do not try to imagine them, we do not say that they are body parts like we've got body parts. We don't try to make any comparison for Allah's attributes to creation. This is the problem people have. They cannot understand in their minds how you can affirm these attributes without comparing them. That's because of their deficiency in their intellects. They think the only way you can understand these things is if you imagine what they look like. But Allah told you, don't do that. There is nothing like him. In fact, is it not even mentioned in a hadith? In paradise, there are things ma la ain ra'at, wala udun sami'at, wala khatar ala qalbi ahad, wala qalbi washt. That in paradise, there are things no eye has ever seen, and no ear has ever heard, and no heart has ever imagined. Those are things in paradise. So if there are things in paradise we can't even imagine yet, then what about the Creator? How are you possibly going to imagine your Creator? Impossible. So when we talk about the attributes of Allah, the hand or the, the eyes and these things that are mentioned in the Qur'an, we affirm them and we believe Allah has them without trying to imagine them at all. The problem people have is they start imagining and they say, oh, that can't be right then. You're saying Allah's got body parts and he's this and he's that. Only because they don't understand, you don't imagine Allah. How are you going to imagine Allah what Allah looks like? You can't imagine those things. So we affirm the body, uh, not the body parts, we affirm the attributes. We affirm the attributes. We don't say body parts and Allah has body parts and Allah, we don't say those things. We affirm what Allah has affirmed in the Quran and the Sunnah without imagination or without comparing them to creation. But the full details of that, you have to do the books of Aqidah. Previously, before this book, we actually did that. We did a full book about that topic for maybe eight, nine months. But that was like maybe, I don't know, two, three, four years ago now. Anybody else? Yeah, it is better to sacrifice where you are. Because the point of that sacrifice, one of the main points of it is to demonstrate this uh, aspect of Islam. How are you going to demonstrate the aspect of of sacrificing if nobody does it here. If you just everybody just sends it abroad and nobody is distributing any of the udhiyah on Eid day, there's no distribution of meat between neighbors and family, nobody's doing it here. Everybody's abroad. Then that action of Islam, that aspect of Islam isn't seen or witnessed or experienced here. The young kids don't see it. Now in the olden days and even now still, 
Then the people slaughter and they sacrifice and you go to the farmers and you bring back the big, the full bag. All of it is there, all the body parts of the, the kids, they see it, everybody sees that. Everybody sees the sacrifice has been done. You pick it up, put it into bags, go distribute it. You are implementing that aspect of Islam. That's what's needed. So primarily, you do it where you are. That's what you're supposed to do. That doesn't mean it's impermissible and won't count if you do it abroad. It's permissible and it counts. But if you're capable of doing it where you are, that's what you should do. Person might say, but look, we don't really, you know, here it's okay. But other places, people are poor. Why don't we give it to them? As Shaykh al said, in that case, if you're well off anyway, then do it still where you are and then give another equal amount of money or similar money for a charitable sacrifice to be done in some poor country. But your Eid one, you do it where you are. Because people have the argument, those countries are poor and they need it. Okay, good. If you're well off and you're rich and you're doing okay, then you can send charity to those countries to have a, a general sacrifice to eat and eat. But your Eid one, do it where you are. Do that where you are, use your money. And if you're rich, then send more money for an extra one, which is just like the optional one. It's not your Eid one, just an optional extra charity sacrificing to be done in those poor countries as well. So uh, primarily where you are. But it's permissible to do it elsewhere if there's some need. Mm. How much portions did the Prophet make for his family, his, his uh, friends or, or people? Allah, normally it's like they mention a third and a third and a third. Thirds are normally mentioned. Third like for the family, third for the neighbors, third for the poor. Uh, yeah. Thirds, often that's how they, they explain it. Mm. And because there's no poor people, Uh, not just generally homeless people. Uh, if you give it to kuffar, it's only supposed to be if, like in zakat, if you believe that this will encourage them towards Islam, etc. So just generally on the street, some poor person, it's not going to work. And how are you going to do it so unless you cook it and stuff and give it? And generally, it's not like that. Generally, it is not just given to poor people, kuffar, kuffar, Muslims, of course, but the kuffar generally like that. It's not like that. It's for the ones who you believe maybe there will be some encouragement for them to come to Islam. Maybe you have a neighbor, you talk to him regularly. So when you do your sacrifice, you cook up some big, you know, beef burgers or whatever it is from that and you hand it over to him. That kind of thing is permissible. But generally, it's not that, it's not like a general charity. Mm. Yeah, Muslims, that they're considered from the poor. You can give it to them, definitely, yeah. Mm. That's going to start maybe tomorrow, the 10 days possibly. So it's confirmed? Confirmed tomorrow then. First day of the Hijjah. Which means Eid is going to be what day then? Tomorrow is uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Tuesday and Wednesday Eid. Mm-hmm. Alright. Conclude upon that today then. Next week, inshallah.